Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today, we have a very, very special guest today. Um, it's an honor and pleasure to have her on here today. I mean, everybody in the Hamilton, Laurelville area has been saying, you really need to get this young lady on the show. She really has the pulse of the community. She's been here for a while, and she knows what's going on. So without further ado, Miss Stephanie, how are you doing today? I am great. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I know it's been a while. We've been trying to make this happen, and we made it happen finally. So this is very exciting, and I can't wait for people to hear your story and hear what you do in the community and things of that nature, okay? Yeah. So without further ado, I don't want to talk anymore because this is your, this is your pod. <laughs> uh, tell people where you're from and give them a little background. Well, I actually grew up outside of the city, um, even though when most people talk about me or think about me, even from a business perspective, they consider me a city person. I grew up in Columbia, Maryland. I actually wasn't born there. I was born in Silver Spring, but we moved to Columbia right when Columbia started getting developed. In the, It was right when I was, I guess, two, three years old in the early 70s. But I remember we were one of the first families there, and I lived there through... Jeez, I guess my mid-20s or so before I finally did make my way into the city. Um, even though I grew up in Columbia, I actually went to school in Baltimore. So I had a lot of friends in the Baltimore area, mostly in the county, but a little bit in the city as well. And um, I originally, when I moved off on my own into the city, it was in Canton. I lived three doors down from Mama's on the Half Shell, right off of the square, and I lived there for about three years and rented um, and enjoyed being in an area that I could really just walk out my door, go for a run, go get something to eat, and really fell in love with that walkability of living in the city. That's nice. That's nice. I always tell people... Um you know, Baltimore has so many great things out here for you to go to. And so you made the journey from the county to the city. Yeah. Was Did your parents, were your parents happy you're moving to the city? Or did, they, or did you did you see yourself always living in the county because you were from the suburbs? Or is this, or did you think this was going to be like a five-year or two-year plan? Hang, let's have I'll, fun and go back to the burbs. I'll tell you, I have no idea how I got here. I really don't. Like, I never thought about moving to the city. I just kind of followed the way that my life has been. I had several career changes along the way. And I had several like groups of friend changes along the way. And then when Canton started getting really hot and everyone started moving down there and they started building it up, I just really wanted to be around people and around different things to do. And I, I think that's probably where I fell in love with being in the city. You know, most of the time, even though I am a, people used to make fun of me and say I'm a Columbia girl. <laughs> and then, but now people are, they don't even realize that I came from anywhere besides the city because people say to me all the time, oh, she loves the city. I mean, I have it on my laptop when I meet people from outside and they're like, you live in Baltimore City? I'm like, people who know me will say, oh, she loves Baltimore City because I truly do. I love everything bad about it. I not love it, but I see what it does and brings us together as a community, and I appreciate that, and I just love the positive things of it. It's interesting you say that because when I first um, came down here, uh, when I moved back to Baltimore, I knew nothing about Canton. Mm -hmm. Canton was something that was special. I always went out uh, in Fellows Point and Federal Hill, and I remember, I want to say it was 2000 seven or eight and I had lived here for so long I never knew Canton existed oh cool. and it's funny you say that and I was like what is this magical place I've never been to Canton and 
I, lo- I loved I loved Canton. That well, was I did a home. short stint in Baltimore County, and we used to drive 30 minutes into Canton when um, Nacho Mamas first opened. We would drive from Owings Mills, which is where I lived, just to wait two hours in line to go and have dinner at Nacho Mamas and then drive back. And that was really before Canton started getting built up. It was in the mid-90s. Um, yeah, so anyway, I ended up in Canton, and I loved it there, but, you know, it is very bustling there. You walk outside, and you're just in the midst of it, especially where I lived, which was on Linwood, right, you know, in the midst of Canton and all the, the nightlife and the restaurants and stuff. And um, it was beginning to get to be the height of the market, and things were starting to move, and... Well, I guess my story of how I ended up here on the northeast side of the city is a little more extended than that, um, because it was when I started getting into real estate. I don't know if you want me to kind of go into that yet, or just how I ended up in the city. Um, Wherever the story takes us, that's how we're going to go. So I started in real estate in 2004, and this was after several job changes. Um, It was just, I found myself with an MBA in corporate finance and I couldn't stand going to work every day and I just quit. Uh, That's probably, you had asked me what my parents thought about me living in the city. That's probably the one thing where my parents are like, what the heck are you doing? Because I just knew I wasn't in the right career for myself and I just didn't want to do it anymore. So um, when I started in real estate, it was just by chance. I was reading a book on vacation about this woman who was, go- who was a real estate agent in New York, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, and I was like, huh, that sounds really interesting. I always thought I'd be good at sales, and I had been looking at pharmaceutical sales, and I literally came back from that vacation, I signed up for real estate school, and I got my license that year in 2004, and I've been in real estate ever since. Uh, now, here, here's my question. You went from an MBA doing what you're doing, and your parents are like, you t- what are you talking about? When you have this conversation with your parents, I mean, you're an adult at this point, but how does that go over? I mean, Well, I also was a teacher prior to that, okay, so I've had, okay, a few, yeah, okay. I've had a few different changes. Um, my parents never commented on it. You know, I've always been, I guess maybe because I've always been a focused person regardless of what that focus was. When I got out of college, I started teaching elementary school right away. I had a job, you know, and I could take care of myself. When I switched and I went into business and I went back and I, you know, got my MBA, which I paid for it. It's not like I went to them and said, hey, can you support me on it? You know, I think they never really made a comment one way or another. Uh, I have no idea what aspirations they had for me actually as an adult, but I think it's just whatever it was that I felt focused and passionate about, um, which was definitely not corporate finance, so. <laughs> now you, obviously you were good with people. Uh, you are doing real estate, so you did, you were working with kids, so you already knew how to talk with people. Now, while you were still living in Canton, were you still teaching or still doing a corporate thing, or when did you switch over to real estate? So when I first moved into Canton, I had not gone into real estate yet. It was in my in-between time, and for anybody who knew me during this time, you know me a totally different way, but I had this in-between time where I went into my job at, at my corporate job and said, I'm not doing it anymore, I gave my notice, and I did not have a job, and I started bartending. So I bartended for, I guess, three years, 
And after that three-year period, it was, so I guess I started bartending in 2001. And then it was 2004 that I went into real estate. So I had this in-between time where I was trying to figure out what on earth I was going to do with my life. And then I got my real estate degree and, and license, and then I started getting into real estate. And there was like a six-month overlap, I guess, be, before I said, okay, I'm not going to bartend anymore. I'm just going to go into real estate full-time. Now, it also didn't hurt that I entered real estate in 2004, which was right as the market was beginning to peak. So it was, you know, you stick a sign in the yard and the house is gone in a day, or, you know, lots of buyers were out there looking. So it was a relatively easy time to get into the real estate market. Because I remember, uh, and you probably will have a better knowledge of this, the real estate game got real crazy when everything bottomed out in 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. around that time. So yeah. uh, we'll get into that and figure out how you adjusted and stayed in the game that long. Mm-hmm. So... Let's figure out, what, how did we get into the North? How did you get to Northeast Baltimore? Because I just want folks to get see your, understand your journey. So we started in Silver Spring, born in Silver Spring, Columbia. Yeah. Uh, with a little Met, bit in Owings Mill. A little bit in Owings Mill. So you remember, yeah. you, we're going to call you the county girl for a little, the suburbs. Right. <laughs> and I always laugh and I tell people, I have to stamp my passport when I go out there. Because <laughs> it's far away. I don't like going out there. Right. But that's why I live in the city. Right. So then you end up in Canton. Now, how did you end up at this place, Northeast Baltimore? Because you and I had, had, had a conversation, mm-hmm. and I never knew about Northeast Baltimore. I lived over here, but I didn't know about Hartford Road, Northeast Baltimore. Yeah. Two different things. So I'll let you explain how you got here. Well, I actually didn't either. So I got into real estate in 2004, and it, like you had said, the market was really starting to ramp up. And it was strange because I didn't know anything about this area of Northeast, the Hamilton, Laraville, all the surrounding areas. I knew nothing about it. I'd never been over here. I'd never heard about it. But all of a sudden, I started having clients, buyer clients, asking to see properties in this area that they kept saying they wanted to buy specifically in Hamilton. And I had never been there. And it wasn't just one client. It was like I had four or five clients at the same time, and they all wanted to move to this northeast side of the city area, which I really didn't have any experience in. So I started showing properties over here. And there was, I remember distinctly, it was, it was January. We had a terrible snowstorm. It was in 2005. And I was showing properties in Hamilton to friends slash clients of mine. And all the properties were in this area. And it started snowing that morning, like a lot. And they had a four-wheel drive vehicle. And we were, they, I said, was like, you guys want to go out and look for houses? And they were like, yeah, let's go. So we saw four or five houses that morning. And we walked into this one house. And as soon as I walked in, I thought, I have to have this house. It wasn't necessarily the area that we were in. I just walked, you know, real, buying real estate is a completely emotional thing. I don't care what anybody says, you know. Yes, it's an investment, and some people do just strictly buy for investment purposes. But if you're a home purchaser, when you walk into a house, you have to see yourself, like, coming home there after a crappy day, you know, and raising your kids there or whatever you do in your house, right? And it is a very emotional purchase. So, 
even though I wasn't looking for that when I was showing houses to my friends, um, for whatever reason that happened to me. And I walked into this house and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have this house. At the time I lived in Canton and I was renting um, with my boyfriend at the time and we were renting this. If it was 800 square feet, that is pushing it. It was probably 700 square feet. It had no basement. We couldn't, he was tall and we couldn't hardly get up the stairs because the stairs were so narrow and we had to crouch when we were in the bedrooms because the ceilings were so low. And we were renting this place and I walked into this house and when I finished showing the house, I called my boyfriend and said, I, ha I have to buy this house that, that I just showed. And so I called my friends who I showed the house to and asked if they were interested in the property, since obviously that's a little bit of a strange situation, and they absolutely were not interested in the house. It wasn't their style. There was another house they were more interested in. So I told them, well, if you're not going to buy the house, I'm going to buy the house. And that was that morning of the snowstorm. That afternoon, I brought my boyfriend back. There was like a foot and a half of snow outside just to show him the house. And that afternoon, I wrote a contract for myself and bought the house a month later. So it was kind of, I didn't really even know where I was at the time. And I think when we chatted before, I had told you it was really strange because there was so much snow on the ground. And it was, it was one of these snowstorms where the roads hadn't been plowed yet and there was nobody out on the roads. So when uh, my boyfriend and I left after seeing the house in the afternoon, we pulled out onto White Avenue going, and we were kind of at Harford Road trying to figure out what's the best way to get back to Canton. And I didn't really know exactly where I was, and there was nobody on the road. And then all of a sudden, this car pulls up next to us, and this man rolls down the window, and he has a kid in the car who's like a teenager, and he's asking us, do you guys need any help? And I was thinking, that's really strange. I think he's actually genuinely asking us, do we need some help? And we were like, no, we're just trying to figure out where we're going. He was like, okay, we'll be safe. And then he drove off. And I, I remember thinking that we were in the city, but it didn't feel like we were in the city. And how special, I guess it was, that somebody just randomly pulled over because they saw us on the side of the road and they wanted to know, was there something they could do to help? And so I think that actually added to my real positive feeling about the area. Even though I wasn't real familiar with it, I knew I was going to write a contract on the house specifically because I loved it so much. Um, but then I was thinking, there's something about this area that is a little different. And actually, I still, even those kinds of stories, and I have a lot of them, but I was just thinking that when I went out for a run this morning, because I experience it almost every time I go out in our neighborhood, because... Like this morning, I go out for a run, and at least five or six people, you know, good morning, say good morning to me. There's a guy I always see when I'm running. You know, he's at the top of Walther, and he says, good morning, how you doing? Sometimes he calls me Miss America, which I love. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, and it just has this community feeling to it, which is real authentic and sincere. Like that first experience driving away in that snowstorm, it just made me feel like there was something about the people in the area that made them care. No, I, I love that story because I'm, I'm, I'm happy you told that story again because it really brought it home to me. When I bought my house over here, um, I didn't. I had a kind of similar experience. I had met, um, we, my wife and I had looked at the houses and I was like, like you said, it's emotional. Right. And I was like, I don't know. And then the neighbors came out and spoke to me. And they were so nice. They're like, hey, my, I have a 
child this age, you know, and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, wow, and this is who lives over here. This is so-and-so lives over here. And I, I was so impressed by the sense of community. And that's what it was all about for me, community. Yeah. And being around people who want to be a, just be great neighbors. And at that point, I was like, that stuck with me. I was like, you know, if I, if I need some eggs, if I need some milk. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, I've I, definitely called my... You can ask Marcy, who lives next door to me. There have been many a time where I have borrowed, literally borrowed a cup of sugar because <laughs> I didn't have it. <laughs> and, that, and that's a beautiful thing because yeah. I'm like, Scott, Casey, uh, do you have any aluminum foil or anything like that? You know, when I make ribs, I, I knock on their door. I'm like, hey, I got an extra rack. You want some ribs? Right. You know? So it's just a sense of community, and that's what it's all about to me. I, I love hearing that. So when you told your friends and family, I'm buying a house somewhere in Baltimore. What was their reaction? Because they probably they had no idea where you were moving. What, what, yeah. what, like, what were they saying? Like, where are you moving to? Or what's the reaction? Like, did anybody know where this place was? Or So in, in that time period, in like the mid, like 2005-ish or so, there were not a lot, there were not a lot of shops, there weren't restaurants that were pulling people into the area that were making people more aware of what was over here. So I would say nine times out of 10, if I told somebody I was where I lived or where I was moving, they had no idea where that was. And I would always have to say things like, and everybody who lives over here knows this, I'd always have to say things like, just south of Parkville. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know where that is. Or if Parkville didn't hit, I would have to go out to, like, White Marsh. If you're at White Marsh, then, you know, some kind of a county landmark that then I could, you know, maneuver the way down to where we actually are. The other, you, so I either got that, I either got, I have no idea where that is, and I have to, you know, try to figure out a way to give them a landmark of where we are, or I would get oh, yeah, my grandmother, or, and it was always somebody had some family or knew of someone who had been there, and they had been here for, like, 80 years. So it, it, it was a combination of no idea, or when I did run into people who knew about it, their connection to the area was so far back, because when I first moved here, there were a, a lot more people who had been here for a significant amount of time. When I first started selling in the area, I would often sell homes where it had been the grandmother's home, and then it was the mother's home, and now it was the kids that were living in the home who were then selling it. So it was this, the homes were passing a lot from generation to generation or staying in the family for whatever you know, reason for long periods of time. That's a, that's a really cool thing. Um, I will say that when we first bought our house over here, um, a lady walked by and was like, oh, my aunt lived at this house, and then somebody else walked by, I was like, my cousin lived at this house where you're living in, and I'm like, this is kind of weird. Yeah. I, like, I didn't understand it. Uh, as I was telling you before, I didn't really know about, we're going to get into this a little bit, I didn't really know about the Harford Road Corridor. Uh, I lived over by Morgan on the other side of Perry Parkway in Northwood, Oh. and I didn't know anything about this area. Okay, let me repeat you. I, I lived here since 05. And I didn't know anything about this Harford Road corridor until 2010, 2011. I knew there was a Harford Road, but I never knew anything was over here. Right. So we're, we'll are we talk about how... Our little secret gem. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that because I feel like that's something that's unique and special in itself. Now, 
when you moved up here, did you change? Did you keep on doing real estate in the whole area, or did you just say, you know what, I like this area so much that you wanted to stick to this area? So initially, I did not focus specifically on this area. And when you're first getting into real estate, honestly, you go, or at least I did. I went whenever, wherever there was business. I used to say, I'll go anywhere within an hour of Baltimore City. So I was all over the place. I really had no focus. Um, I would work with investors. I did a lot of first-time home buyer stuff. I did a lot of move-up buyer stuff, but I wasn't necessarily focused in one area of town. And I do try also not to be that way now because I do have a very vast... Um, spread in terms of where I do business and also my clients. However, I guess it was maybe 2007, gosh, I don't even know if it's that long ago, maybe it was closer to 2008 or 9 that I went to a conference, and at the conference they were talking about ways to grow your business by focusing on something, whether that's a, a niche or a certain area or a certain type of a loan product or whatever. And at the time, there was a lot of stuff that was starting in the neighborhood focusing on community development. There was a group called Sprouts that was bringing a lot of the parents in the area together. Um, Hamilton Laraville Main Street organization was really involved in a lot of community events and I started becoming involved with them. And I just made this decision after going to that conference that it was important that because I live here and my child, which, uh, you know, I guess, so I guess at that time I already had a child, so, and she was young, so it was probably around 2010. And it was important that I focused on wanting to be a part of the community that I lived in. And I mean, I sell houses, so that's probably selling houses then to buyers and sellers and you know, trying to really um, develop the community in the way that I can with my profession. So um, I, I came back and from that meeting that I went to, I decided I was really gonna focus. So we used to, although we didn't have it last year, we have had it in prior years, we used to have a Hamilton summer festival in July. And I had started a Facebook page called I Love to Live in Hamilton, Laraville. And initially what I did, and this is, uh, we haven't, this is a really cool, it was a really cool story for me. So I was trying to get out and involved in the community, not just with the businesses, but also with the people that lived here. So I opened this Facebook page. I also made these stickers that said HL on it, our small town in the big city. And I used to also sit at a booth at the Hamilton Festival, and I really didn't, I wasn't promoting real estate necessarily. I just, it was an opportunity for me to talk with people who might be interested in the community, selling or buying homes. Um, and also, it turned into seeing a lot of clients who I knew and just, you know, chatting. But one, once I got that Facebook page up, one day I remembered that I had posted that I was just going to take off walking from my house, and I live a block and a half off of Harford, and I was just going to stop at every restaurant or open store that was along the way, and I was going to, you know, I took a picture, and I said something about the business, and I was like, if you see me walking down Harford, you know, say hi or something like that, and I literally did that. I just walked around the corner, and I stopped at Big Bad Wolf Barbecue, and I stopped at Los Amigos, which was open at the time, and I stopped at all the little places along the way, just 
you know, help trying to help promote the business, but just also getting out there on the street. And I got a, a lot of response from that. Like people were interested in that. And so I think the next month I had posted, there was this nook of this area called Arcadia that like when people refer to this area, they typically say Hamilton or Laraville, but they don't realize that there's a lot of little parts of it that are within it that we actually are have totally different names, like Hamilton Hills and Arcadia and Beverly Hills. And so there's different, you're Walterson, you know, different parts of it. And it's not just Hamilton, Laraville per se. So I had posted on... <laughs> I had posted on my Facebook page, I love to live in Hamilton, Laraville, that I was going to head down to Arcadia because I didn't know really anything about it, but I had shown some houses down there and it had a different personality than Hamilton has. I was going to head down to Arcadia and if anyone was around, let me know. And one of the women that lives in Arcadia had written, hey, we're outside doing yard work and we have wine if you want to come down, and she gave me her address, and I drove to her house. I'd never met them before. Like, they were outside working on their yard. She literally had a bottle. She offered me wine, and she said, come on, I'll take you on a walk around the neighborhood. I spent probably 30, 45 minutes with her. She walked me up and down all of the streets in Arcadia. We ran into the mailman, who everybody knew. She introduced me to other neighbors that were out and about. Just that was like a completely cool experience for me. And it really, again, was like more of this, you know, it is an area where there's just such community and a desire for people to continue to interact with each other. And it's not just like you see somebody on the street and you don't say something. You know, you walk into the stores, like I just stopped into Zeke's to get something to drink before I came here. I ran into five people that I know who are all like, hey, how you doing? You know, they want to chat a little bit about what's going on in the world and stuff like that. It's just, I think that in some, maybe in some people's minds, but then maybe truly in parts of the city, you know, city people just kind of pass and go along their merry way, right? We don't interact a lot. And there's just, and it's not the only area in the city that's like this, but there's something about this Northeast area where there truly is a desire, in my experience, for the people to interact and connect to each other and to do what is whatever they have, able, whatever they're able to do in order to try to make living here in the city as positive of an experience as possible. Because obviously we have challenges too. Well, I, I like what you just said um, about the whole experience. How do you now? So that's that's a good segue. I love how you just said that. How I do set you, you up. You did. You did. You did. <laughs> Thank you so much. You did. Uh, that was a perfect layup pass. So, how do you see Hamilton, Laura? Okay, let's just say Northeast, because I know you're, yeah. cause there's some people out there. Shout out to Miss Leslie K. She knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Because if I don't say Northeast, you know, Northeast if I don't say uh, Moravia Walters and Walters, she gets upset. But shout out to you. Um, how since you moved here, then from that story to now, what is the big difference you've seen? Because you talked about how there was nothing here once upon a time. Now you see it. I dare to say people want to compare us to the avenues, possibly. I don't think see that because there's that, that's a dense population there. Yeah. What do you say to people, what, what do you see from now, from, from back then when you moved in here, to now? What do you see a difference? Yeah, I wouldn't compare us to the avenue either. 
um, because what's interesting is we have this very long span of Harford Road and also Bel Air Road, but I think most of the time when people are referring to this area, we're talking about the span from Harford down to like Lake Montebello up to, you know, maybe where uh, heading towards the city line, uh, Northern Parkway. And along that route, we have these little nooks where there are stores and restaurants and art galleries and theater and places for people to go. So you're, when you say, you know, the avenue is dense. When I want to go into Hamden, I go and I park my car on 36th or somewhere around there. I walk those couple of real dense blocks and then I'm done. This area here, along that route, not only are there different walkable areas, but there are also different neighborhoods. And, and each one of those little neighborhoods has its own personality. So for me, that is why I would say I think it's different. Because I see, and now I don't live in Hamden, so maybe people who live in Hamden see it differently. But I see Hamden as this is what Hamden is, and this is the personality of Hamden. When you move outside a Hamden area, of course, then things change. But for me, one of the things I like about Baltimore City in general, but also about this neighborhood, is that different nooks have different personalities. So like when I say Arcadia, Arcadia is completely different to me than Hamilton is. And Hamilton is completely different than Lauraville is. But we have this change because along this route, since I've been here, we have different opportunities for walkable, um, things such as restaurants and stores, and, and that was not here when I originally moved here. So when people start to look for houses in the city in general, one of the top things they usually say they're looking for is walkability. So when it was, for example, it's even morphed a lot, it's morphing right now. It's morphing where we are sitting right now because it used to be that in the Hamilton, what we call quote unquote downtown area, we had this little area where now we have more restaurants. We have Silver Queen Cafe, we have uh, Hamilton Tavern, we have you know this nook, we have Chard City, shout out to Chard City, best pizza around. Um, we have this nook up in Hamilton and then we'd have this little nook down in Lauraville where we also had some great places but we didn't have really anything in between the two. So right now what I see happening where we are right now with the new Zeeks and with Function and with new restaurants coming is, you know, it really pulls this whole area together because there creates more of a desire to be here because we have so much to offer. Um, and I do think that the walkability is, is, is what is making it, you know, people coming to this area because we do have that now. And when I first moved here, you know, there was a couple of places, but really when I first moved here, the, and the reason why clients at that time were moving into the area was because we have the ability to find a nice size property with a yard and with a community that has a community feel, even though we're still 15 minutes outside of the city. And super easy access to 95, and super easy access to universities. So like that was the reason why people initially wanted to move here. Now, some of our businesses and our restaurants and our arts that we have here is, to me, what is 
causing people to come in and maybe visit the area and become more aware of the area where before it felt like a lot more people had no idea where we were. Now it's more like, oh, I live in Hamilton. Oh, is that where Hamilton Tavern is? Yeah, I've been there for a burger. They're great. And so there's some reference point for people outside of the area and bringing people in and visiting. So I think that is, you know, attributing to more people being aware of what we have to offer over here. It's interesting because when you said Hamilton Tavern, I was out in Canton. So he's all these stories going back. And his bartender said, have you ever been? I was telling them where I live. They're like, oh, you're near Hamilton Tavern. Right. And again, I still don't know the area. I don't know Harford. I don't know the Harford Road corridor. I tell people it's a different world on the other side of Perry Parkway, and that's still Northeast Baltimore, yeah, right in the Northwood area. And I had no clue what it was. And they were like, "They have the best burgers in Baltimore." And I was like, "How can I? Why am I driving all the way to no offense right. any restaurants in Canton? But why am I going all the way down here to eat food that I have something great near me?" And I remember the Hamlet Tavern I was like, "Oh my God." This is the best burger. I've never had it. And it's so different and unique. And they have the burger of the night, Monday nights. Right. And I didn't know anything about that. So I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I love that you highlighted all those things. Now, in your field right now, because you're busy, I mean, people, she's very busy. So I'm, so, I'm honored to have her on the show because she's rolling today. Um, in your field, where, where, are these, where are these people coming from now? Where are these couples, families, where are they coming from to move here now? So the majority of, and this is just, of course, based on my experience as a real estate agent selling in the city. So, you know, other people might see it coming from a different area, but just to say that, um, the majority of the folks, which is the same thing I did, which is you wanted the city, you wanted the walkability, but do you want to be attached to other people. You know, do you want to row home with two bedrooms? Or, and again, our affordability in this area is something that is extremely attractive. Because there are other na neighborhoods in the city where you can get a nice size property and you can get a yard and you can get some walkability, but the pricing is also very unaffordable for a lot of people. So the thing that is interesting about this area is you get all of that, but for a very reasonable price. It's, I mean, three, if you hit 300, that's about top of the market for this area. And it's a large home with, you know, five bedrooms and it probably has a garage. And so, and that's really top of the market here. How, how, many, square, how many square feet will you get for that, for that price? Two, I mean, out, around 2,000. Okay. Yeah. So like right now I have a house on the market, um, in Arcadia, and that is priced at 312.5, but it's a five bedroom, three full bath. It has a den, it's 2,000 square feet, it has a third of an acre, you know, so it's a big property. But that's really the top side of the market. You can buy a house under 200,000 and have your own yard and have your own, you know, bungalow here. It's it's very reasonable. So I, what I see is a lot of people moving from those areas where they were enjoying city life, just like I did in Canton. They're moving from Fells, Canton, Fed Hill, Brewers Hill, you know, those areas in the city, and they still want to be in the city or they work in the city. So they're starting to look for more space. You know, maybe they want to start a family or maybe they don't want to have to walk their dog, right? They want a yard with a fence. And they can get something for really reasonable on our side of town. Um, and so that's the majority of the client. It's around the same age, you know, people 
in their early to mid 20s up to you know around 40s-ish, um, looking for something that's reasonably priced, it is convenient, it has walkability. I mean, even just as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, why wouldn't you want that? I mean, it's we have so much to offer here and you can get so much for your money in terms of the neighborhood and we have some such special things about the community here. And that's, so that's the typical purchaser. But I will also say it's interesting because I've had a lot of clients who, for work purposes, have relocated from out of state. And specifically, when they have come in from out of state, they want to be here. And I've had many, I've, I can think of three clients off the top of my head who, when they came moving from out of state for work reasons, said, I'm, I'm only looking in the northeast side of town. And I think it's the combination of all of that. And a lot of it had, with those clients I can immediately think of off the top of my head, it had a lot to do with the community feeling. Because if you start to go on to different Facebook pages and talk with people and live Baltimore, for example, if you look at the neighborhoods and what people say about the neighborhoods, there's a lot of talk about Northeast Baltimore and this community um, feeling that you get. And people want to be here. They want to be in the city, but they want to feel like, you know, they can appreciate where they live. So why do you think it took me so long? Because <laughs> we talked, we talked, we talked briefly. Right. I didn't, didn't want to get into it with you when I saw you, mm -hmm. but I wanted to prep you with that. Um, what, why, I mean, I didn't know about this. Why is it, why is it a hidden gem? Is there a reason why nobody knows about the Northeast? I mean, I lived literally Five minutes. Five minute, a, <laughs> right. A five-minute drive away. Right. Why is there is there a reason? Is it because people just didn't want people who lived here already didn't want people from outside coming? I mean, I'm just I'm right. throwing things out. Yeah. I don't know. I always I had a, we went to a happy hour recently, and I asked a group of people who were part of the home association, like presidents and vice presidents of different areas, and we all it was a good discussion because nobody they all looked at me like, "Wow, you didn't know about this place." I'm like. I did not know, and I lived five minutes away. Right, and you know, I was telling you earlier, I wanted to buy. I, I wanted to buy a house in Beverly Hills, not Beverly Hills, California, folks. <laughs> There's a place called Beverly Hills over here in our area. Like she was saying, all the little nooks, and I couldn't get a house over there. I mean, I, I waited. People I waited. don't give them up. They don't. They don't. <laughs> they don't. They're like gold over there, yeah. and I, I saw these big, beautiful houses, and I'm like, I want to move here. But I was like, I'm not doing a waiting game. And, you know, it's like, I'm not, I'm, I love where I live now because I like, I see my BGE bill and I saw those big yeah. houses. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. But why is it nobody, why is it that it's so quiet that, like, when I had a house party uh, about a year ago, oh, two years ago, I had friends who came up here they, and they lived in Baltimore for 10 years. They knew nothing about this side of town. Why is it? Tell me, I know you say as people mm -hmm. know about now. Mm hmm. But well, a little is, bit more, but, but still. But why is it so secretive? Why do people, you know, I, I, it's not advertised. It's not advertised out there like like Northeast or, you know, like you said, everybody knows Laurelville. Yep. Everybody knows Hamilton. Right. I live in Waltherson. Waltherson, what? Right. When they sold the house to me, guess what they said? It lives, you're right. Hamilton. In, yeah, Hamilton. Yeah. Nestled in Hamilton. So right. it was very, very exquisite and very nice. But explain why is that? I mean, I'm just trying to get this more people to learn about this through the podcast. And you're doing an excellent way of explain it to you, but why has nobody really heard about this area? I mean, this is my opinion, right? So I think there's a lot of different things going on. I think that one of the reasons is just logistically getting here, right? So 
the where it's situated in the city, you don't really have to drive through the area to get many places. You can kind of skirt around it. So unless there was a reason to actually come here, like you're going to Coco's for a crab cake kind of thing, then it there was not a reason to come here. And people driving up from the city would probably, or driving north from the city would take 95. It's not like they would hit Harford Road coming up. So it wasn't like a through area. So I think part of it does have to do with how it's nestled because most people that we know in the city who are going to head north out of like the main city area, they're not driving the smaller streets. They're going to hit 95. When they hit 95, they're not getting off on Moravia Road to come over to the northeast side. So they just never see it, right? Um, so I think part of it just has to do with where the layout is. When I first moved here, I think I had mentioned, it seemed like the majority of people who had lived here li has lived here for a very long time. Like even now, uh, my neighbors on my right and left of my house, they've been here for over 30 years. So people had just lived here for a long time and the houses had been in the families for a long time. And there was this desire to, I feel like, almost protect the neighborhood in a way. And I used to feel that because people would ask me, now I finally feel like I am like a real member because I've been here for 15 years. But I remember when I started selling in the area and people would say, oh, how long have you lived here? And I'd say like, four years, it was almost as if they wanted to say to me, oh, you don't really live here. Like, you're not really from here. Uh, now, when I say, oh, I've been here 15 years, they're like, oh, yeah, then you remember back when, and it's like, now I'm part of the club, right? So I think that there's so many people still here that have been here so long, and even like you had mentioned, the woman who is very insistent about you referring to the neighborhood the correct way that it is, there are people who really want to preserve what the neighborhood had always been to them, right? It's a, it was a working class neighborhood, but some of the homes were much larger and the, and the lots were larger too. And so I think, feel like the families that were here took great pride in their homes and their raising their families here and the community that they built and trying to protect that as much as possible. And I think they were able to because there weren't restaurants and things that were pulling people from the outside in just to visit. And then that was good because it was like, we could all be happy here together and be a community and we can appreciate each other and we can, you know, really enjoy that, but we don't have people infiltrating us, right? But now I think there's something to, and I think most people even who have been here for a while, there's something to appreciate about those other things coming in because they are bringing in such positive things that people enjoy about city life, like a gallery or like the Strand Theater or restaurants with fantastic food that are like some of the best restaurants in the city. And so I think that right now there's maybe a bit of a balance of creating that, you know, still having that community that is protected where we don't really want anyone to know that we're here but then maybe starting to release that a little bit to appreciate some of the things that the newer things are bringing in because there is a lot of positivity from that now. Um, and I think that the people who come here for the most part want to keep it 
that way. So, you know, I think even the newer people that are coming into the area, you know, want to keep that community. And even some of the things like with the virus stuff going on, and I've been watching what's been going on in the community, I'm sure you see it too, just from being on the Facebook pages of, you know, how can we help each other out? Who needs me to run errands for you? Like that kind of stuff. Um, but I think just in terms of the secretness of it, I think a lot of it does just have to do with initially where it is within the city and that it's it's like even just for me to go from, because I, um, I do a lot of work in Northwood area too, so even just for me to go from Hamilton like over to Northwood, it's, it's kind of inconvenient, right? And then you have the university in the way and it's like there's no really great direct route. So I think originally maybe it was so quiet because there wasn't a pull for people to come here. Like when I used to go to Canton to go to Nacho Mama's, I didn't know anything about Canton, but then Nacho Mama's came. And then I was like, oh, I know Canton, I go to Nacho Mama's. It's kind of the same thing here because we have now, it's the restaurants for the most part that you know create the pull for people to come in. And now that's like people who used to say, or when I used to more frequently say, um, where I live, and people would say, I have no idea where that is. Now when I reference it, it's usually by restaurant. But that's also because I love to eat. <laughs> now, now for, for people, I would love to, I would love to know, do you still have that slogan anywhere? Like that? And oh, it, I should have brought you and, my, and, a sticker. And, and I, I will tell you, I will buy that t-shirt if you make a t-shirt for that. Yeah, okay. That's a cool t-shirt. Yeah. I, I, like, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, next time. Now, what do you think about with the Hartford Road um, bridge being closed right now. Yeah. I mean, I know that's hurting some of our retail and whatnot. I think, personally, in my opinion, I think once it opens back up, I think the floodgates open at that point. Um, I, I pray that retail and stuff established like that, that are over here will last and get through this bumpy roll of 2000, I guess, it's probably ready October 2021, <laughs> yeah. allegedly. Right. But um, when that opens back up, do you think it will just be another explosion like it? People would just, oh, we're all here now? Or what do you think? Well, I still see it, right? Because I'm still selling houses right. like crazy over here. So in terms of the housing market and you know buyers' interest in homes over here, I have not seen that that bridge has affected people wanting to be in the community. Unfortunately, though, it just makes it not as easy for people to get around. And I, I even have this directly because I have a house that is under contract right now in Mayfield, just south of where the bridge is. And every time I go to go to the house, I go down Hartford Road and then it's in and then I remember and then I have to route around and go all the way around to Bel Air. And then, so I understand. So that, those um, shops and restaurants in Lauraville, which are all fantastic, I can see where that would negatively impact them because if somebody's coming up from that area south of the bridge, you really do, it's not a quick walk anymore or a quick drive just to go to Red Canoe or you know one of the places there, you have to kind of route around. So I would imagine that once that bridge opens, it just makes it so much more easily accessible for everyone to get back and forth. And I feel like based on the way the community is, and our community is so supportive of small businesses, and that's really what we are. We have, like, our neighborhood is the majority, like 90% of our businesses here are small businesses. Even, you know, the mechanic is, you know, it's all, everything here is small business. So I feel like 
they hold on through this time that as soon as they open, there's, there is just going to be such a surge for support for them. But in terms of housing and desirability of the area, uh, the bridge in my, what I see, that, that accessibility hasn't impacted people's desire to live here because there are a lot of buyers looking specifically. As a matter of fact, we don't have enough inventory <laughs> So, in terms of houses to sell. And just in case any of you out there have a house to sell, I'd love to talk to you because we do not have enough inventory for the buyer desirability in the neighborhood. We don't. And so even like this winter, I would put a house on the market. It would go under contract within a week, multiple offers. There's just not enough inventory for the amount of people who would really like to be in the area. And that's not just the you know brand new renovations. As a matter of fact, I just met with new buyers this morning before I came here, and they were specifically saying, we don't want a renovation. We want a house, and this is, and I can understand where they come from on this, although there's nothing wrong with renovations, but we want a house that somebody has lived in for a very long time and taken very good care of it, and we want the character. So there are people who want all kinds of things in the neighborhood, not just the brand new renovations, right? They want the house that, you know, someone's grandma had the oil serviced every year and, you know, everything is in perfect shape, even though it's 50, you know, hasn't been updated in 50 years. And we just don't have enough inventory for the amount of people who are interested. See, I'm a turn. I'm a turnkey guy. I, I, need, I need. I need everything new. I don't want. I love character, but character. I, I need, need everything granted. I need brand new everything. So. Oh, really? I'm the opposite. I, that's how I am. Yeah. Just like turnkey. I don't want to do any work. Right. I don't know how to daily anything. I don't know how to drill anything. I'm not good at that stuff. Right. So, with the since you know the it's always that um, hot topic coronavirus right now. Yeah. You were out there. How's the real estate game going to survive? You think? this coronavirus. We are in the, now, for Maryland, I would say now it got to a level two with the state of Maryland, um, possibly level three. We're going into first week, really, major. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this weekend will be the last weekend. We were talking a little bit earlier about a lot of people going to be out. How is that going to affect the real estate game going forward? How do you, how are you, how are you situating your clients up, the appointments going forward with all this going on right now? I mean, there's so many different ways that the virus will affect the real estate market potentially, right? Because we have people who felt like they were in a position to purchase, but now financially there's a concern, right? A lot of people, unfortunately, they have their own business, so now they can't count on that money. Or people are concerned about their investments, so now they're concerned about that financially. So I can definitely see that financial aspect of it causing a slowdown because of people's nervousness about financial strength. Um, this winter was interesting because interest rates are truly the most ridiculously low. I mean, it's not to say it's free money, but I mean, interest rates are so ridiculously low right now. This past winter has been as busy of a market. I mean, it's been almost as busy as 2005 was. Just, you know, one week I think I sold five houses in a week. I mean, very, very busy until maybe four days ago. So I think that we're going to get through this initial time of 
you know, more testing, which means, you know, more issues with understanding what's going on with the virus in our area, and that we might have this few weeks or so lull of nervousness, panic. I'm experiencing it myself, right? I had a couple of appointments scheduled this week with new buyers where we could sit face-to-face like this, or we could do the same thing by video, right? And so I've had some video conferences with people instead. So there might be some more hands-off on it. But I think that the pull about interest rates still being low, and there's another aspect of this, and of course this is just based on my experience. So what was happening in the wintertime is what I would call a seller's market. There was not, there's not enough inventory, super low inventory, high buyer demand, interest rates are really low. So I'd put a house on the market, I'd have three offers in a week, people were fighting over houses, paying more money than, I mean, just disappointed buyers because they're fighting with multiple offers. You know, really what we would consider to be more of a seller's market. Well, if the virus issues then shrink the buyer population, right? So we don't have people who are concerned so they're not gonna purchase, or maybe they don't even wanna leave the house to look at homes, right? We don't know, you know, for whatever reason. So we have less buyers looking. That could, in my opinion, it could change that market a bit. And it could actually, for buyers, make that a more optimal time for them to purchase, right? Because you know, just a couple weeks ago, I had several disappointed buyers where it was like, every time we put in a contract, we were fighting with three other people. And you just get to this frustration point where you're like, how much more than the list price do I have to offer in order to get the house I want? And it can be very frustrating. So if there's less buyers looking right now, sellers are realizing that we're in a situation we've never been in before, that potentially there are less buyers looking right now, and that they might not sell the house in five days like they thought they were going to sell it. Or maybe they might not sell it for as much money as they thought they were going to sell it when people were fighting over it. So from a buyer perspective, it could actually be a decent time to continue looking for houses because we still have inventory on the market. I'm still, next week I have two, I just put a couple of houses on the market this past week. Next Wednesday I have two photo shoots for uh, houses going on the market. I mean, have, still have sellers putting their homes on the market. People need to move for various reasons. Um, but for a buyer, the interest rates are so ridiculously low. As long as you feel comfortable from a financial standpoint on continuing with the purchase, you might find yourself for the next who knows how long, but definitely for the next few weeks or so, where you might find the house you like and you don't have to fight other people for it. So it could be, what I'm noticing just in the last few days is a a bit of a shift from what even just a couple weeks ago was a very intense competitive market to possibly not. Um, Now that doesn't mean it's dire for sellers, but it could be a good opportunity for buyers because it's pretty rare you get both you get the best of both worlds, like you get great interest rates and you also get more of a buyer's kind of market. So, I mean, it could be really good as long as you continue to to search during this time. I will say almost everybody has hand sanitizer and wipes. I, I mean, I carried them in my pocket today. You know, it's very awkward to meet a new client and not shake their hand, right? So there is like a lot of explanation going on. Um, and a lot of my clients, I'm referral based. So a lot of my clients come from people that I know. So in my business, I'm 
I, I am a bit of a hugger, like when, you know, people I see. And so it's weird to kind of stand off, you know, five feet from somebody and not shake hands. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. We have to take precautions as necessary. I think it will affect the market. I think we will have a little bit of a slowdown. But I think for the people that are still out there looking, I think it could be a good opportunity for buyers at this time. Oh, nice, nice, nice. So we're going to do a little fun part that I like to do at the end of the show. Okay. All right. Are you, are you ready? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a rapid fire, okay? Okay. So here's the, the questions rattling off, okay? Best Baltimore crab cake? Coco's. Best burger in Baltimore? Now, I don't eat burgers anymore. But best, best, I will best, say Hamilton Tavern. Best veggie burger? Oh, in Baltimore or only Northeast? Northeast. No, no, no. We can, we can do Baltimore. We'll do Baltimore. Well, um, I would say Handlebar Cafe. Okay. Best salad? Oh. Um, farm to table. Uh, Farm to face. Farm right? to face, yep. yeah. Farm to face. Okay. With their falafel waffle. So you don't eat. So you don't eat. Meat. I do eat. So I don't uh, eat burgers. Okay. All right. Really. Uh, drums are we drums are flats. Uh, drums all the way. Okay. All right. All right, all right. <laughs> Best Italian food. Mmm. For oh gosh, there's so many. Um, well, I like Di Pasquale's in general because they just have everything market wise. So. Best barbecue. Uh, Big Bad Wolf. And last and not least, best coffee? Zeke's. <laughs> I have to say Zeke's, man. Tom's my guy. Yes, that, yeah. that, was, that wasn't too bad. That wasn't too no. bad. Um, how can people find you? It's time to, you, how can we find you? How can they, they want to reach out? They, somebody may be listening and say, wow, I want to check this out. Find out a little bit more about you know, the areas. How can I reach out to Stephanie? Yep. Go ahead, plug yourself, plug where you can make it find you, all that good so stuff. So I work for Cummings and Company. So the blue and gold signs you probably see all around. If you're in the Northeast, you'll probably see my signs because it also says local resident realtor on them. Um, you can reach me anyway. My phone number is 410-916-1357. My email is Steph. BAM for you, S-T-E-P-H-B-A-M, the number four, the letter U, at gmail.com. Um, you can also reach me on Facebook through Stephanie Bamberger or on I Love to Live in Hamilton, Laraville. Um, and I also have a, a professional page that comes up. So anyway, I work seven days a week. I work eight to eight. So I'm pretty accessible. <laughs> you don't have an IG page for the young people out here? No, I actually no IG so, you know or, what? or Twitter because I mean, well, that's what the young people I got kids a LinkedIn. Okay, LinkedIn. Okay, LinkedIn works too. I got a LinkedIn, and I do have an IG. But what's interesting is I use my IG for personal stuff, and I use my Facebook mostly for you know interaction. I mean, I live my life basically on Facebook. I get the majority of my business off of Facebook and. And I use LinkedIn for professional. All right. So you are on LinkedIn. Okay. So yeah. what's, is, your, is your full name on LinkedIn yeah. also? Okay. Yep. All right. Is there anything else you want to tell the audience? I mean, no. is this, I, I've, I feel like I've gone to church. She taught, <laughs> she taught a lesson to everybody. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here in awe. I mean, I'm sitting here taking notes in my cell phone while she's talking. I'm like, damn it. Why didn't I get her before I moved over here? I right. would have found, you know, but I love where I live. And I love how you spoke so highly of this area and how you promote this area. And a lot of people were very excited to know that I was interviewing you. I'm excited um, about that. A lot of people were like, we can't wait to hear. We want to hear what this is all about. And I, again, I appreciate you taking time. I know you're busy. I know you have a lot of things going on. We all do right now. And 
I, I will say this is probably my last face-to-face -face interview, probably for next, I would say foreseeable probably next month, just because we don't know what's going on. And I, I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole with what's going on in the world, but I think just for special precautions, I think this may be the right way. But I'm happy that this is the last one for a while with you. Like I said, every time I did an interview, somebody brought your name up. That's great. And that, to me, that's amazing that people are saying highly of you and talking how, how, how great you are and how you, know the back, how you know this area, like the back of your hand. And the way you explained everything to me, I'm blown away. I didn't know half, about half of this stuff. So thank you for educating us. Thank you for having me. And one thing I would love to do, I would love to bring you back on, maybe summertime, spring, summer, when it's, once everything subsides, to talk about the housing market, what's available right now, what's going on, where are people buying, just because people like what they, I mean, summertime's a big time to buy, correct? Or yeah, I mean, typically the spring, I mean, we're in it right now, unfortunately, but typically February through July is the hottest time in the market. So, and it'll be interesting to see what happens once things start to calm down, hopefully over the next couple of weeks and months, you know, and what happens with the housing market and what that shift looks like. And I'd be more than happy to come back and talk again. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Function Cowork, for having us here again. Yes. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, Lisa. And again, next time you hear this conversation or a podcast, I'll be live back in the basement again. <laughs> but again, thank you, Ms. Stephanie. I appreciate you explaining that. That was, it warmed my heart hearing this whole story. And I'm glad you told these stories. And I know you have so many different stories. You answered all my questions. I didn't, I didn't have to ask them. Right. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> so Sarah. thank you again. And, um, this episode will be out in another, uh, it'll be out very soon. All right. On that note. Thank you very much. And feel free to call me if you have any further questions. Reach out, folks. Reach out. Her phone, her Facebook, her Lincoln, it's all popping. You got to catch up with her, all right? She's a very busy woman, so I got to get her out of here. She got to make some money. <laughs> Talk to you guys later.